we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Dr. Barry Young is an epidemiologist from New Zealand who, uh, in an interview, lays out some astounding statistics of metadata looking at New Zealand's uh, injurious um, and deadly causes from these unbelievably evil vaccines, as they're called. And this is the type of metadata that is irrefutable. And here he is talking to the uh, to the reporter who has been using him as a um, a background source. But in his, in the introduction to the video, in uh, explaining who he is, he just really breaks down in tears because of uh, the loss, the tragic loss of life, and the loss of humanity as a result of the efforts of the governments around the world and the evil entities and corporations that are do, that they are doing their bidding for. And so, Jordan, with that, uh, what do you think about the interview? Yeah, so first off, I just, one thing, he, he's not an epidemiologist. He's just, he's a statistician, well, yeah, right. which is basically right. a, somebody who knows data. He's not specifically known for his ability to interpret data that's health-related, which I guess is right. what epidemiologists kind of use. But um, it doesn't really matter. Um, the data is the data. Now, I would say up until what happened yesterday or actually this morning in New Zealand, I mean, there was questions on whether this data was, you know, legitimate. But as of uh, this morning, he was arrested and um, he uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, if the data was totally just a bunch of malarkey. Um, I'm not sure that they would arrest him. So to me, that's a pretty important point here um, that if the data, if he had, if he didn't have access to this data and the data wasn't true, meaning like it wasn't valid data, um, he probably would not have been arrested. And uh, so he is currently, I think uh, he has not plead or anything like that, but he's currently uh, um, in kind of awaiting to see what happens. But the uh, interesting thing about this data was it is looking at kind of just really what I would say broad information. About a third of the population of New Zealand can be included in this. So it's kind of the first time we've seen a, a broad swath. Now, New Zealand is an interesting country in general. Uh, their lockdown uh, heavy prime minister was uh, quite um, – loves the vaccine. She's since resigned, I think, or not running for re-election. She's resigned, uh, but she's the one who who proudly claimed, yes, we're going to make two-tiered citizenship. Those who get the shots and those who don't, completely unapologetic, completely brought into the, and trained by the World Economic Forum, one evil, evil, awful woman. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing when we talk to this when uh, I think is Liz Young was talking to Barry Young, um, it uh, was apparent that he was 
kind of broken by this. I think he probably had been releasing some of this data to her over the time as a journalist. And then the data became so overwhelming that he basically said, look, I've got to come almost out in the sunlight and say, look, this has to stop. And so uh, what he basically said was the underlying mortality rate in New Zealand should be only 0.75% said young. So the odds of all these deaths happening by chance is approximately 1 billion to 1. So statistically, what we're saying is that there is no chance that this vaccine is not a killer. And, you know, that's what kind of broke him down. So he thinks uh, that he has to come clean and, and expose the data. So instead of leaking it to a journalist and the journalist, you know, everybody questioning our sources and such thing, here's the person that has access to the data that in some ways is responsible for the curation and storage of the data that says, look, this is the data. And unfortunately, the data says what the government has not been telling you. And in fact, the exact opposite of what the government has been telling you. Yeah, I think in the interview he explains, he is the rate limiting factor. He's the, um, he is the top guy for this data for their country. And uh, it's not like he's just some outlier guy that just popped it. He's been the, the purveyor of it from the beginning, I think. Yeah. And so... Um, what he initially does in the video, and I think that's interesting, is he basically starts, you know, kind of picking a populace and saying, look, this is how many deaths per day we usually saw. And he sets basically an upper threshold, which it, for him was 125. Um, and that 20, 125 deaths per day uh, was rarely exceeded outside of earthquakes and some interesting other events within uh, New Zealand, really, since 2010. I mean, I think he starts back the data to 2010 and then he just kind of moves up. And eventually when it hits 2021, you start to see that pretty much every day um, seems to have a significant amount of, you know, if you look at months back at, you know, it would be, oh, well, here's a year that had two or three days that had over 125. Pretty soon it seems to be like every week has three to five days like that. And that is quite concerning to him because he can't really correlate it with any uh, catastrophe like earthquake or something like that. Uh, but instead it seems like the most correlative thing is the, uh, the, the vaccination campaign. And then what he also makes a uh, pretty interesting uh, parallel is it seems like the first two shots, the deaths were somewhat, um, you know, significant, but, after each additional shot. So the more shots somebody got, uh, the more likely that they um, were uh, going to have a significant injury slash death from the vaccine, which isn't anything new to us. I mean, we know the spike protein is a pathogen. And so the more exposures, especially in the world of when we talk about toxicity, um, the more exposures of any toxic pathogen, the more likely that there's going to be harm or damage, right? Yeah, I mean, that's this just... is two years. This has been proven, if I recall correctly, in December of 21. The first study uh, or a red flag went up about this exact issue. And uh, here we are two years later with metadata that is, I think, 2.2 million people or whatever. 2.2 million people, yeah. Yeah. And it's irrefutable. Once again, it is irrefutable data. And what are they going to do? They're going to put this guy in prison. For forever, 
probably just because uh, they're evil. And then they're gonna then they're gonna say, in the name of your looking out for you and your privacy, because yeah. he exposed personal health data. Um, which is funny because I thought these open societies, the issues uh, that we most cared about were having people within the government come forward and say that the government is doing something wrong. And they usually would have protection uh, when what they did uh, was reveal uh, negligence or malfeasance or all those kind of things. So well, it also um, brings up the interesting question. um and I don't know the answer to this illegally, but uh, what privacy does a person enjoy when they're dead? You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, they, the government apparently doesn't isn't as concerned about that in one way, you know, whichever way it benefits them in each individual case of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the data itself is is not surprising, I would say. I think it's surprising that they're keeping up with the data yeah, and have broken it out. And this is uh, the numbers, the meta, the large numbers he's looking at don't stratify age. And we know the older people, people are the increased risk of being killed or injured by the shots. Uh, but I, it just, you know, I wish he would have broken it out by age because you would think you could have. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's interesting to me, I'd say, you know, again, I think initially when I was reading up on um, the source of this data, I was a little, there's a lot of people saying be be skeptical of where the data came from. Um, but I will tell you, instead of the authorities coming out and telling you exactly why the data is crap, um, they came out and arrested the person that revealed the data, which I think says a lot. That's why I'm pretty certain at least some of this if not most of it is the real data because uh, otherwise uh, they could easily say well this guy has no access this you know but instead they are charging him with uh, utilizing access governmental access for improper purposes which basically means that uh, he has the access so um, which again I, I'm not in charge of their their cover up, but um, seems kind of crazy if you want to say everything's fine, uh, just ignore the noise. You don't arrest <laughs> the person. Instead, you you know you say, "Well, his data is not true." Does that make sense? Yeah, and uh, he also looked at the mortality rates associated with various batches. Um, top ten batches, uh, one ba- one out of. 711 vaccinated individuals, there were 152 fatalities, which is a 21% mortality rate. So that's like having a five-round chamber and a pistol and doing Russian roulette with five. Then he had one batch eight with a 17% mortality, batch three with a 15% mortality. So that's like putting a six-chambered pistol with a uh, gun to it. Uh, yeah. I mean, with a round in one of the six chambers. Even among larger sample sizes, such as batch number 70 that vaccinated 11,000 individuals, there were 498 deaths accounting for a 4% mortality rate. 
I mean, these numbers are, oh, it's only 4%. It's 4% when somebody didn't need it to begin with. That's yeah, again, it, yeah, it's a huge number. And again, I mean, even in the medical, what I would call medicine market, where we would prescribe a medicine for somebody, Stuart. I mean, if something had <laughs> just a 4% serious adverse event rate, um, there would probably be a huge black box on it, lots of informed consent around it. Um, yeah, angiotensin receptor blocker, a common family of um, of uh, blood pressure medicines. They they came after the angiotensin converting enzyme to uh, medicines like lisinopril or one of those, and those have. If I remember the data from 20 years ago, like a 20, uh, like a uh, 12 to 15 percent um, cough side effect, and then it, then that is cut in half if you go with the ARB as the angiotensin receptor blocker, um, which is its cousin. It, got, it cuts it in half, but it's a very common, relatively common side effect. You stop the medicine, and then the cough goes away. So we are aware of things that cause a 5 or 10% or a 15%. We're aware of those uh, medicines. And we're, but even that, a cough would not be considered a serious adverse right, event, by Right, exactly. The way. But we're aware of something that would cause a, a fairly common side effect. And we're aware of it, and we keep, you know, if somebody comes in with the cough, first thing I do is look at, uh, look at their medication. Because it's a well-known thing. This thing is a killing machine. I would I would consider the ultimate serious adverse event. Yeah, right. And so this idea, that, or let's call it a UAE, the ultimate adverse event. Yeah, right. UAE. Um, but that's what uh, they are. Um, the other side, it's I cannot comprehend where they're coming from. That they would still promote these vile, evil shots unless there is a a force driving them. Unless there's some insanity. And so with with that kind of statement, I'm going to segue into our next idea about what's going on, how the insanity is being perpetuated by the Fauci's of the world, the Bill Gates of the world, the... uh, Henry Kissinger's of the world. Well, that's an interesting name. Uh, the hundred-year-old uh, megalomaniac uh, Kissinger died last week, and uh, it, uh, I'll segue into the next section with this. I watched the uh, Napoleon movie that came out recently, that just came out, and it's pretty funny that that evil man uh, was touting throughout his career how he wanted to save humanity, save Europe, create peace. And by the time he died, three million people had had died as a result of his living. Three million people, because he wanted to promote uh, security and peace and, and harmony to the tune of three million dead. That's the deal. That That's the pathology we're dealing with with these crazed people. And the amazing thing is the regular average doctor is not even uh, paying attention, doesn't care, doesn't seem to be interested in knowing what the real data is. 
they might not take any more shots, but they're not interested in knowing what the data is, such as the yeah. of their soul. And then a good example would be Barry Young. When he sees the data, he has to speak up. Now, yeah. have all of us seen as credible of data as this guy has? No. I mean, a lot of it's just our gestalt in the clinic and what we've seen from our patients. Uh, so, But the truth is, is there is this data. Um, this data is being kept. Uh, not really sure for what reason, uh, given that they don't do anything about it or with it. But it is pretty, at least in this, you know, assuming that this data is what it says it is, which I think after they arrested him, it's pretty obvious. Uh, this data should be public. Um, and in all honesty, your public health agencies, I'm not a big fan of public medicine, but if these agencies exist for the public, that means the public should know or be held access to the data that they're accumulating. And especially, I mean, people outside the organization and outside the industrial complex, because those are the people that are going to be um, unbiased in looking at the data. Yeah. So with that, uh, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Allow Pulse. Always one beat ahead. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, 
ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Well, here we are in the United States after moving from New Zealand, and we are talking about, uh, uh, once again, the evils of the COVID shots. And lo and behold, it looks like that finally a... An attorney general in this in this country in Texas uh, has decided to go after Pfizer for uh, deceptive practices for uh, false, false advertising, and uh, it's interesting that Florida, in their uh, in their statutes, don't allow for pharma to be included in false advertising, but it looks like uh, Texas does. Jordan, what do you think? So first of all, I think uh, I think you have said this for quite a while now that we need our attorney generals, the people that are responsible um, for really kind of the law being applied in the state uh, to really stand up and make sure that that happens. And in this case, we're talking about uh, a product uh, that has been unlawfully misrepresenting the effectiveness of the company's COVID-19 vaccine. So this is basically Ken Paxton suing Pfizer for misrepresenting COVID-19 vaccine efficacy and conspiring see, conspiring to censor public discourse when that discourse went against uh, what their advertising was. And I think this is a smart thing. I mean, they actually have a Texas Deceptive Trade Practice Act and uh, Pfizer engaged in false, deceptive, and misleading acts and practices by making unsupported claims regarding the company's COVID-19 vaccine in violation of that act. Uh, so I really think this is a great way to attack. Uh, the problem is, is in many of these states, guess who's been uh, promoting the vaccine? Uh, the state the state health departments. And so that's where it gets a little bit weird because I will say one thing Pfizer has, I've always thought that this was interesting because when you look at a lot of the commercials, I think since maybe the FDA approval, now Pfizer uh, will um, still, Pfizer will say, get your updated COVID-19 vaccine, but they have not done it like on a brand name product. Uh, This might be the way they get out of it. Uh, Instead, they've been relying on the health department's uh, to really do their bidding and basically say, get vaccinated. And I've always thought that that is an interesting play uh, because they're staying out of the um, staying out of the statement and the 
acts that they, you know, they could be up against when we talk about deceptive practices, uh, because in a sense, they just have this product and the health departments are uh, doing their bidding for them. But this uh, suit basically says the pharmaceutical company's widespread representation that is vaccinated, that its vaccine possessed 95% of efficacy against infection was highly misleading. That metric represented a calculation of the so-called relative risk reduction for vaccinated individuals in Pfizer's initial two-month clinical trial results. FDA publications indicate relative risk reduction is a misleading statistic that unduly influences consumer choice. Pfizer was also put on notice that at the time that vaccine protection could not accurately be predicted beyond two months. Nevertheless, Pfizer fostered a misleading impression that vaccine protection was durable and withheld from the public information that undermined its claim about the duration of protection and despite the fact that its clinical trial failed to measure whether the vaccine protects against transmission. Pfizer embarked on a campaign to intimidate the public into getting the vaccine as a necessary measure to protect their loved ones. In fact, Pfizer's product failed to live up to the company's representations. COVID-19 cases increased after widespread vaccine administration and some areas saw a greater percentage of deaths from COVID-19 among the vaccinated population than the unvaccinated. When the failures of its product became apparent, Pfizer then pivoted to silencing truth tellers. The lawsuit notes, how did Pfizer respond when it became apparent that is vaccine was failing and the visibility of its cash cow was threatened by intimidating those spreading the truth and by conspiring to censor its critics? Pfizer's labeled as criminals those who labeled as criminals those who spread facts about the vaccine. It accused them of spreading misinformation and it coerced social media platforms to silence prominent truth tellers. And so basically that kind of dovetails with what I want to uh, kind of go through now, which is actually something from the uh, Midwestern doctor. But um, he concludes one of these recent articles that, and I've really not thought of it this way. But uh, I wanted to kind of read through this. But he basically said, ever since I first saw how over the top the efforts were to sell the COVID vaccines, my belief has been that marketing and sales would predict everything which would happen with them. More specifically, each time a market was capped, the rules would be changed so a new market could be opened up. And he says, to illustrate, initially the vaccines were sold under a scarcity model to get as many people as possible to receive them. Once the scarcity model stopped working, they were traditionally marketed to the population. Once that market was capped, bribes were given to incentivize more people to vaccinate. Once that market was capped, soft mandates to travel or go to a bar or a concert were implemented. Once that market was capped, hard mandates were implemented, losing your job or being kicked out of your educational program. Once that market was capped, they started pushing the vaccine on children. Once that market was capped, they decided the vaccine actually didn't fully protect you and boosters were needed. And once that market was capped, they decided more boosters were needed and eventually that the vaccine would instead become an annual shot. Um, and that is where we kind of go, you know, as I watched this predictable chain of events, I also told many people that once it's clear the vaccine could not be sold anymore, they would begin acknowledging the injuries were real. This would, of course, be done so they could pivot to selling proprietary pharmaceutical drugs that could be used to treat the vaccine injuries. Now, if that ain't probably true, which kind of scares me, uh, it's kind of blows me away thinking about it. But yeah, what do you let, think? Let's go through those steps again. First, they use the scarcity tactic. Well, yep. you got to get it. Uh, you, you're excluded. Until well, they the, made it. They made it like any. Uh, yeah. You know, if you limit the supply of something, guess what you create? Yeah, you cr Create, create demand. Yeah. And so, after the scarcity was what 
After the scarcity. Oh, after the scarcity model, they were traditionally marketed to the population. So then they just basically. bribes. Yeah, then bribes and soft mandates. Soft mandates, hard mandates, vaccinate kids, then boosters, 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 until you're all dead. And then, or injured, and then they're going to market, you know, pharmaceuticals for injury to a pretty similar. <laughs> Get you coming and going. Um, literally. Yeah. So to me, that is a good example. And that's, you know, where I think Ken Paxton is um, hitting at. It's these things um, were falsely marketed uh, and the way they did it was really deceptive. It also made it feel, I mean, they tugged on the heartstrings of somebody's most basic, uh, you know, most basic cares, which is their family. Uh, And you don't want granny. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, when anybody suggested, Hey, these things don't work or they don't even, even to say that they don't work as well as they did or weren't tested to even, uh, to even the standard to make sure that they did what they said they were doing, you were considered somebody who was, um, you know, participating in misinformation. And to me, that's again, where we don't really, you know, that that's where we should, you know, again, I'm big government, big government, but you know, when you use the heavy handed of government to force something and then you use the, Department of Health of your state to uh, advertise for free, in a sense, the product. Um, first of all, the product should be what the product says it is. Um, and what this Midwestern doctor goes through is this isn't the first time that this has happened. In fact, um, he kind of states, you know, when you think about why all of a sudden it used to be very common that when vaccines were pushed through too quickly, that um, the media, media prior to being um, basically bribed uh, by big pharma, uh, they, they were the people that were basically exposed to vaccine disasters, you know, and that, that I think was quite important. Um, they, you know, once the late 90s came along and advertising uh, by the pharmaceutical giants was allowed and given that most of their money is all spent on advertising, uh, it became a huge, um, huge revenue. I mean, the primary revenue source for media. And at that point, media no longer was investigating. Yeah. yeah. And this one's an especially interesting product because they didn't develop it or design it or, or, or um, um, produce it. It was yeah. all a government operation. Yeah. And then the other thing, just thinking of kind of basic economics, uh, the other thing he points out, and I guess I haven't thought of it this way, but the vaccine manufacturers being existed from liability, obviously, instead, vaccine injuries were delegated to a federal compensation program, which only allowed a narrow range of injuries to receive compensation. This understandably took away the industry's motivation to produce safer vaccines. Funny enough, that original law actually required them... um, to actually have uh, pr- produce a legal document every three years on these vaccines to make sure vaccines were getting safer. Um, the uh, I hadn't heard out- that. 
yeah. So the uh, basically he he quotes the thing. He, he says, additionally, the secretary was expected within two years of 1986, and periodically thereafter, the secretary shall prepare and transmit to the Committee of Energy and Commerce of the House of Representatives and the Committee of Labor and Human Resources of the Senate a report describing the actions taken to make vaccines safer. Within three years of 1986, complete a review of all relevant medical and scientific information, including the research mentioned above on the link between vaccinations on the following conditions. Uh, all information shall be re- reported under the section shall be available to the public. Um, and so, but they were also supposed to repeat this continually and um, they did not. And so they should, every three years, we should be getting um, a uh, update on the safety of vaccines. And actually Aaron Siri and Del Bigtree have actually sued HHS to, to find out uh, where this data was. And actually RFK Jr. and Aaron Siri finally proved in 2014 when the HHS admitted in a court, it had not done much of what the act required so they're not um yeah that, you know, the, i do remember now hearing uh, uh rfk jr talking about that uh, but, they basically uh, said oh we're not compliant with that you know big deal like what are you going to do right so. yeah okay it sounds like the state legislators in our in, in alabama who are beholden to the hospitals whether it's their private job or their campaign or both um they just refuse to accept that uh, they have responsibility to the citizens of the state to protect us. Um, and it's uh, really tragic, of course, and deadly, but uh, they don't seem to care. I'm sure they'll get elected because of the uh, shenanigans that go on with the Secretary of State that we used to have. But um, hopefully days, brighter days are ahead for us. Yeah, I think to me... I don't know our law and I don't know if we have the same statutes that could allow the attorney general um, to do this. I'm doubtful he will. Uh, but at the same time, he's been pretty outspoken on uh, the gender and uh, what I call, you know, child mutilation in a sense, basically making sure that he's actually gotten the uh, secretary of HHS, uh, I guess who's the woman who used to be a man, um, Levine, who's going to have to produce her emails, uh, which I think is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I think... We'll uh, see when it happens, but... Uh, yeah, and by, by the time it actually happens, it should be... Who knows? I mean, I feel like everything gets caught up by the time it, it actually gets revealed. Uh, everyone will have moved on, but... Yep. The, uh, um, and by the way, Pfizer did do the studies. Remember the five points... 3.6 document that Pfizer released February or confidentially sent to the FDA on February 28th of uh, 21, 10 weeks after the rollout of the vaccine, they showed all yeah. the uh, yeah they uh, had they had and injuries and uh, I think it was like 42,000 injured people. But um, so they've been keeping the data. But yeah, they have been keeping the data. The difference is it's first of all not public. Second of all, um, the people that have the data that haven't, you know, have access to it, aren't coming out to even be surprised by it. Yeah. Instead, they're entrenched in their position. Yeah, or and if you go against it, you, things like what happened to Doctor Young are coming your way. Yep. Yeah. yeah, this is a classic kind of 
tactic. Um, luckily, and you know, thankfully, we do live in a world where you can get that data set to people, and that data set now still lives on. Um, and so we can utilize that data set. Uh, it'd be a lot harder to do this when we didn't have the ability to push that data set to tons of people. So, yeah. And um, let's, uh, I'm going to do a quick um, lead into the next segment on Henry Kissinger, 100 year old, uh, amazing uh, megalomaniac, pathological liar. Um, how did he get into the positions that he got into? It was because people with that lacked integrity, uh, birds of a feather flock together. And uh, people that lack integrity uh, like each other, apparently, to the point that they destroy millions of lives in countries and freedoms. Uh, and they, without compulsion... The one, one of the interesting things I learned about uh, Henry Kissinger in reading about him this weekend was that uh, his closest friends he lied to the most... It was really weird. That is really like weird. He had such a, uh, a mind warp on these people, such a uh, such control over these people that they just dismissed it when they would never allow other people to do this to them. But the closer they got to him, the more he lied to them. And he did it many times for no reason other than to lie. He was such a pathological fool. Thank God he's dead. Hope he repented. But, um, you know, Proverbs uh, 11.10, there's great rejoicing when the evil perish. But, uh, you know, this, uh, we hope everybody, the Lord does not like people uh, going to hell, of course. Neither do we. But the reality is we don't have to tolerate their, their lies and abuses and, you know, murderous actions anymore. Um, yeah. No, I am. Uh... Or Fauci says. I think Kissinger is similar to Fauci, just on a little bit different than, than how they implemented it. But, yeah. So, well, all right. With that, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Out Loud Pulse. Always one beat ahead. Uh, we will be back. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global Healing. 
giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. the reputation of our country over the last 60 years, but uh, I hope he is not the greatest because it would be a huge indictment of who we've become. He definitely was a involved societally. He was a deep state as deep state could get. He was probably one of the former, form, he probably was one of the main architects of the deep state over the last two-thirds, uh, 60 or 70 years. I wanted to read several of the comments. Uh, several of the obituaries have given an honest assessment. But here was a guy who was vilified by the liberals because of his involvement with President Nixon. Even Hillary Clinton, when she was on the team of lawyers that was prosecuting Clinton, uh, Nixon for impeachment, uh, just could not stand him. But of course, uh, by the time uh, she gets into power uh, in the last 10, year, 10 or 20 years, she and uh, both uh, Obama and uh, John McCain and all the big hitters that we've known, uh, we've grown and forced to accept over the last uh, couple of generations, paid homage to him. Uh, he was, uh, despite abundant evidence. There was a book by Seymour Hersh in 1983, The Price of Power, that portrayed uh, Kissinger as an unhinged paranoid, paranoid beyond belief. Christopher Hitchens, 20 years ago, wrote a book uh, about uh, how he needed to be uh, prosecuted for war crimes uh, because of all the millions of deaths that uh, were under his pen and his orders. Uh, as former critics crept toward the political reality, real politic once again, um, they, uh, let me see here, as former critics toward the political center, and he, rose, he, he developed and rose to, as these people like Clinton rose to power, uh, he was an astute observer. He shared with uh, with Clinton when she was Secretary of State, writing in an effusive review of his most recent book that Kissinger is a friend. During one of the 2008 presidential debates, John McCain and Barack Obama each cited Kissinger as supporting their opposing postures toward Iran. Samantha Power, the most celebrated critic of the U.S. failure to halt genocides, was not above receiving the Henry A. Kissinger Prize from him. It's amazing the uh, the pathology that is so inherent in these people. Uh, here was something that was 
1942, Kissinger was drafted in the Army, and he befriended a guy named Fritz Kramer, a uh, German-American private 15 years his senior, whom Kissinger would call the greatest single influencer in my formative years. Uh, Kramer, a Nietzschean firebrand to to the point of self-parody, these people just unbelievable, completely detached from reality in so many ways, yet they are the realists, as they're called. And uh, then Kissinger cobbled together his own view of how history operated. It was not a story of liberal progress or of class consciousness or of cycles of birth, maturity, or decline. Rather, it was a series of meaningless incidents fleetingly given to shape by the application of human will. In other words, if you have a pen and you can write the uh, narrative, you get to choose what is important and you get to decide who lives and dies, apparently. Uh, the intelligentsier, the, the intelligencer is, uh, is a book or a website that uh, says Kissinger's name was in Epstein's black book, not surprisingly. Crimes Against Humanity are crimes that comprise genocide or torture or mass murder committed on a widespread or systematic basis against innocent civilian populations. Yep, that's what we're talking about, uh, the insanity of what uh, he's been able to get away with, what he was able to get away with for the last 60 or 70 years. Well, he used billions of American dollars to kill millions of people, at least three million. Uh, and he he would not he it's so weird the National Security Archives he absconded with three hundred thousand pages of them and uh, was able to keep them and as one of his aides said it's because he had to keep track of the lies he told he one of the uh, articles talked about how one of his uh, how several of his subordinates who were who were uh, they were sycophants of his. But he would intentionally lie to him when he didn't need to. He was so pathological, uh, but uh, they all understood that they, because he was the kingmaker, that uh, they had to pay homage. Uh, Kissinger, like his patron Nixon, showed nothing but contempt for accountability, public opinion, or the rule of law. Writing for the Atlantic, the historian Gary. Bass notes that Kissinger ignored outright a congressional prohibition against sending arms to Pakistan. But there are a couple of things like this, and you, um, when public comment did not make its way to the New York Times, did make its way to the New York Times in May of 1973, Kissinger badgered the FBI director J. Edgar Hoover to place a number of selected government officials, and journalists under surveillance. Uh, A far better appreciation of the Kissinger legacy would be gained by consulting with publications as that ever-reliable, if bleak, source of primary documents, the National Security Archive. The archive pursued the U.S. government with admirable tenacity alleging that Kissinger had sought to remove, retain, and control some 30,000, not 300,000, 30,000 pages of daily transcript of his phone conversations 
as personal papers when he left office in 1977. As the, the director of the archive, Tom Blanton, pickantly remarked Kissinger's aides later commented that he needed to keep track of which lie he told to whom. But the telecons are also illustrative. Less of Kissinger, the realist, who furnished his employer with fearless advice than that of a trucker, truckler obedient to his paymaster. God, this guy's just a sick, sick swamp creature. And, uh, and of course, Time Magazine and the major publications uh, back then, uh, magazines back then, a lot of them, were very supportive of his because they wanted the inside scoop. Um, there's so many evil things the guy did, and he got away with it because the people in charge were somehow beholden to him. Now, why do I bring all this up when this program focuses on COVID mainly? Of course, the analogy is that of Fauci and people like him. Unfortunately, Fauci was much more effective at killing many more pill- millions of people with less uh, cost. Of we, um, I think there was an article two or three years ago. It might have been from uh, from RFK Jr.'s book that he oversaw nine hundred million dollars. $100 billion over his 40-plus year career uh, in grants. That's unbelievable, $900 billion. And um, that's what kept people uh, attached to him and obedient to him. Like those two fools, one of them was from Tulane, I think the other one was from North Carolina, that uh, changed their opinion on uh, in February of twenty about the uh, origins of the virus. Once they raised questions, he got on a phone call with them along with uh, Francis Collins and persuaded them to not really take that approach. And then luckily for them, they get millions of dollars in con- in uh, grants for more research in the following uh, weeks. That's how the game's played by these sick people. And uh, Fauci, who has ab- apparently never known what truth is, by the way, truth is that which is consistent with reality. And the reality these fools imposed on people uh, was not tr- based in truth. So it was a facade like that of Henry Kissinger's that led to much death and destruction. Um, and you see so many similarities. And if you look at it and have the overall assessment, given the um, very uh, conservative assessment out of Canada last month, maybe six weeks ago, that showed that, uh, what was it, 14 million people have died directly from these shots. An assessment a few months ago said it was 43 million. But these COVID shots are uh, completely unnecessary, very dangerous. Uh, why would these, why would the establishment, why would the people throughout the media, why would the people throughout government, uh, all the way up to, um, the presidents of the United States, why would they buy into all these lies? Uh, heaven only knows right now what the uh, what meat hooks he had in these people. But, Dadgummit, it's uh, unfathomable how, how much evil has been done in the name of America. In our good name, the principles in, that our country was founded upon uh, have really been used by nefarious, uh, sad, sad people 
the last several generations, a couple of generations, with great harm, death, and destruction. And of course, as I've said before, I think that uh, COVID, what America has done regarding COVID hundreds of years from now, America will be remembered for two things up until this point, the founding principles and COVID, because we did this to the world. Of course, China was complicit, but uh, nobody is taking uh, heed of all the evidence like that from New Zealand, the statistician from New Zealand showing the horrible uh, risks associated with these shots uh, that we spoke of in the first uh, segment today. But so much death and destruction, so avoidable. If reasonable people of integrity were allowed to uh, to be in charge, were allowed to suppress the evils, uh, the greed of those who have uh, done such damage over the last four years. And finally, in connecting the two, we will review the. Uh, in in the movie Died Suddenly that came out a couple of years ago, um, over 100 million views within the first month of its release, there was reference to Kissinger and what he was uh, what he was in charge of in finding out how to uh, control the world's population, and it was from a 1973, I think 1975, something like that, um, committee. And what did they find? They found, and of course they fought it, and it took decades before uh, the release of that information came to light. Where they had strategically plotted for the death and destruction of millions and hundreds of millions, probably billions of people under their maniacal, evil uh, belief that they were in charge of humanity. The hubris like that of Fauci's knows no limits. The Human Life International empowering you to to build a pro-life world. The genesis of U.S. government population control. The United States National Security Council is the highest decision-making body regarding foreign policy in the U.S. On December 10, 1974, it completed a top-secret document entitled National Security Study Memorandum, or NSSM-200 also called the Kissinger Report, since he was Secretary of State and in charge of the National Security Council at the same time. The subject of NSSM 200 is implications of worldwide population growth for U.S. security and overseas interests. This document, published shortly after the first major international population conference in Bucharest, was a result of collaboration among the CIA, the USAID, the Department of State, Defense, and Agriculture made public when it was declassified and was transferred to the U.S. National Archive of 1990. Although the U.S. government has issued hundreds of policy papers dealing with various aspects of American national security since 1974, the Kissinger Report continues to be the foundational document on U.S. government population control. It therefore continues to represent official U.S. policy on government population control and, in fact, is still posted on the USAID website. NSSM 200 is critically important to the pro-life workers all over the world because it completely exposes the unsavory and unethical motivations and methods of the population control movement. 
we can use this valuable document to lay bare the strategies used by unscrupulous governments and aid, quote, aid agencies that are used to bend developing nations to their wills. Their role, their rote denials will be useless in the face of this evidence. And so uh, with that uh, sad note, uh, but it's good to be aware of it and we need to be aware of history because it will we will fall into the traps if we don't learn from them. Uh, we're going to sign off for this week and thank you for joining us on America Out Loud Pulse. Dr. Stuart Tankersley and Dr. Jordan Vaughn on iHeartRadio.